Chapter 7 of The Moon Men by Edgar Rice Burroughs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Chapter 7 The Arrest of Julian VIII. A week later, Thav sent for me and very gruffly told me that the Tivos had issued the permit for me to use the land adjoining that allotted to my father. As before, his woman stopped me as I was leaving. It was easier than I thought, she told me, for Ortis has angered the Tivos by attempting to usurp all its powers, and knowing that he hates you, they were glad to grant your petition over his objection. During the next two or three months, I was busy building our home and getting my place in order. I decided to raise horses and obtained permission from the Tivos to do so, again over Ortis's objections. Of course, the government controlled the entire horse traffic, but there were a few skilled horsemen permitted to raise them, though at any time their herds could be commandeered by the authorities. I knew that it might not be a very profitable business, but I loved horses and wanted to have just a few, a stallion and two or three mares. These I could use in tilling my fields and in the heavier work of hauling, and at the same time I would keep a few goats, pigs, and chickens to ensure us a living. Father gave me half his goats and a few chickens, and from Jim I bought two young sows and a boar. Later I traded a few goats to the Tivos for two old mares that they thought were no longer worth keeping, and that same day I was told of a stallion, a young outlaw, that Hoffmeyer had. The beast was five years old and so vicious that none dared approach him, and they were on the point of destroying him. I went to Hoffmeyer and asked if I could buy the animal. I offered him a goat for it, which he was glad to accept, and then I took a strong rope and went to get my property. I found a beautiful bay with the temper of a hellhound. When I attempted to enter the pen, he rushed at me with ears back and jaws distended, but I knew that I must conquer him now or never and so I met him with only a rope in my hand, nor did I wait for him. Instead, I ran to meet him, and when he was in reach, I struck him once across the face with the rope, at which he wheeled and let both hind feet fly out. Then I cast the noose that was at one end of the rope and caught him about the neck, and for half an hour we had a battle of it. I never struck him unless he tried to bite or strike me, and finally I must have convinced him that I was master for he let me come close enough to stroke his glossy neck, though he snorted loudly all the while that I did so. When I had quieted him a bit, I managed to get a half-hitch around his lower jaw, and after that I had no difficulty in leading him from the pin. Once in the open, I took the coils of my rope in my left hand, and before the creature knew what I was about, had vaulted to his back. He fought fair, I'll say that for him, for he stood on his feet, but for fifteen minutes he brought into play every artifice known to horse kind for unseating a rider. Only my skill and my great strength kept me on his back, and at that even the Kalkars who were looking on had to applaud my horsemanship. After that it was easy. I treated him with kindness, something he had never known before, and as he was an unusually intelligent animal, he soon learned that I was not only his master, but his friend and from being an outlaw he became one of the kindest and most tractable animals I have ever seen, so much so, in fact, that Juana used to ride him bareback. I love all animals and always have, but I think I never loved any animals I did red lightning, as we named him, 
The authorities left us pretty well alone for some time because they were quarreling among themselves. Jim said there was an ancient saying about honest men getting a little peace when thieves fell out, and it certainly fitted our case perfectly. But the peace didn't last forever, and when it broke, the bolt that fell was the worst calamity that had ever come to us. One evening, Father was arrested for trading at night and taken away by the cash guard. They got him as he was returning to the house from the goat pens and would not even permit him to bid goodbye to Mother. Juana and I were eating supper in our own house, about 300 yards away, and never knew anything about it until Mother came running over to tell us. She said that it was all done so quickly that they had Father and were gone before she could run from the house to where they arrested him. They had a spare horse and hustled him on to it, then they galloped away toward the lake front. It seemed strange that neither Juana nor I heard the hoofbeats of the horses, but we did not. I went immediately to Thav and demanded to know why Father had been arrested, but he professed ignorance of the whole affair. I had ridden to his place on Red Lightning, and from there I started to the Kashgard barracks, where the military prison is. It is contrary to law to approach the barracks after sunset without permission, so I left Red Lightning in the shadow of some ruins a hundred yards away, and started on foot toward that part of the post where I knew the prison to be located. The latter consists of a high stockade around the inside, of which are rude shelters upon the roofs, of which armed guards patrol. The center of the rectangle is an open court where the prisoners exercise, cook their food, and wash their clothing, if they care to. There are seldom more than fifty confined here at a time, as it is only a detention camp where they hold those who are awaiting trial and those who have been sentenced to the mines. The latter are usually taken away when there are from twenty-five to forty of them. After I reached the stockade, I was at a loss to communicate with my father, since any noise I might make would doubtless attract the attention of the guard. But finally, through a crack between two boards, I attracted the attention of a prisoner. The man came close to the stockade, and I whispered to him that I wished to speak with Julian the Eighth. By luck I had happened upon a decent fellow, and it was not long before he had brought father, and I was talking with him in low whispers. He told me that he had been arrested for trading by night, and that he was to be tried on the morrow. I asked him if he would like to escape, that I would find the means if he wished me to. But he said that he was innocent of the charge, as he had not been off our farm at night for months, and that doubtless it was a case of mistaken identity, and that he would be freed in the morning. I had my doubts, but he would not listen to escape as he argued that it would prove his guilt, and then they would have him for sure. "'Where may I go?' he asked. "'If I escape, I might hide in the woods, but what a life! I could never return to your mother, and so sure am I that they can prove nothing against me, that I would rather stand trial than face the future as an outlaw. I think now that he refused my offer of assistance, not because he expected to be released, but rather that he feared that evil might befall me were I to connive at his escape. At any rate, I did nothing, since he would not let me, and went home again with a heavy heart and dismal forebodings. Trials before the Tivos were public, or at least were supposed to be, though they made it so uncomfortable for spectators that few, if any, had the temerity to attend. But under Jarth's new rule, the proceedings of the military courts were secret, and Father was tried before such a court. End of chapter 7